It wasn't too many years ago I was watching those four soldiers. They were crying at a memorial for one of their other soldiers. What had happened was is all five of them were in a Humvee riding through a neighborhood in Baghdad. And somebody had thrown a grenade and it went into the gunner's hatch and landed in their Humvee. The gunner himself had time to jump out and save himself, but instead he dropped down into the hatch and covered the grenade with his body. Of course, when it blew up, it killed him instantly. But those other four soldiers were saved. And at his memorial, as they were remembering Private Ross McGinnis, everybody talked about the love that he had for his country, for his fellow soldiers. And they talked about what it was that he gave. He gave his life. Not too long ago, I was here. <clears throat> and there was a memorial service, and the gal was talking about her mom who had passed away. And she was going on about how much she loved her mom, who had been a single mom who had tirelessly worked to make sure that all of her kids had everything that they needed, and she gave so much of herself. And I, I specifically remember her talking about how blessed she was to have an example of somebody who loved with all their strength. Sometimes when we hear the biggest command ever that Jesus talked about, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors as yourself, sometimes she wrestled with what does it look like to love with all your strength. But she had seen an example in her mom, and she was so thankful for everything that she had given to her. Here just recently... I got a chance to talk to a woman who didn't give birth to me, but nonetheless, she's my mom. See, I became best friends with a kid named Tony in eighth grade. And back in 1983, my home life was chaotic. Things weren't well. Nothing seemed to be going right, and I didn't want to be there. Well, Tony and his family, they accepted me in, and his mom, Sue, started treating me as if I were one of her own sons. I lived with them for quite a bit of time, all the way up actually and through high school, graduating, and she used to chase me out in the driveway when she was giving hugs and kisses to her sons and daughter. She would chase me down and give me one too, and I wasn't used to that, and I remember her voice still to this day saying, you better get used to it, boy. I got to tell her a few weeks ago how much I love her. I got to tell her how thankful I am for the things that she gave to me. She was the one who taught me that when you love somebody, you hold them and you tell them. You don't just do the things and expect them to know that you love them. You hold them and you tell them, I love you. She was the one who taught me how to listen, not just to people's words, but to listen beyond their words to their pain. She used to stay up with me at night as a teenager. And I was struggling with so many things, my convictions, my guilt, things that I thought that I was supposed to be doing. She would listen, encourage me. 
This next Saturday, I'm going to be attending her memorial service. And I imagine that there will be hundreds because I'm not the only one that she loved and gave herself to. There will probably be a lot of guys who are going to say the same thing that I am going to say. How much I love her because of what it, what it was that she gave up for me and all kinds of people. You see, there's a universal truth, and we all know it, and it's this. Those who love, give. It's true, isn't it? Those who love, they give. When somebody gives you their time, when somebody gives you their patience, when somebody gives you their loyalty, when somebody gives you their resources, when somebody gives you of themselves, you know, you know that they love you. And we all know it to be true that those who love give. But there is another universal truth, and it's this. We don't come into this world equipped very well to love anybody other than ourselves. It's just not within our capacity. I mean, when was the last time you saw an infant say to their mom or dad, Bye! I got this diaper. I'm good. I'll change it. I'll feed myself. We don't do that, do we? We don't do that with anything. In fact, the easiest thing when we come into this world is to exalt ourselves above every other thing and to continue to do that up into adulthood. We are not very well equipped when we come into this world to give love to anybody else by what we give them. So what that means is, is this young man, Private Ross McGinnis, for him to be able to be equipped with the capacity to be able to do such a loving thing and to give up so much for somebody else, he had to be taught that. He had to learn that. Like the mom who gave up everything for her children, she had to learn that. My mom, Sue Hyatt, had to learn what it was like to sacrifice and give up so much in order to give. None of them were equipped when they came into this world. And neither are we. Now, we all know that universal truth, those who love give. And so I want to do a little quick test with everybody here. I want to give you about 30 seconds. It's going to seem like a long time, but here's what I want you to do in that 30 seconds. I want you to make either a mental list or write it down on your, your communication card or your notepad or on your smartphone, but I want you to come up with some names, maybe two, three, four, five names. Who loves you and you know it because of what they've given to you? Go ahead, make your list now. Ready, set, go. Thirty seconds is a long time in a church service, huh? Probably didn't take you more than about 10, 15 seconds, though. You have a list. And I bet that most of you, if not all of you, have a family member on your list. Mom or dad, maybe a grandpa or grandma. If you don't have family on your list, I'm sorry, it should be. In fact, that was God's design, believe it or not. 
It's God's design that within the family, with a mom and a dad who love and maybe even extended family like grandpas and grandmas and aunts and uncles, that would be the place where when a little child enters into this world who is equipped with nothing but the ability to be able to be self-absorbed, learns how to be others-focused, learns what it means to love other people by what they are willing to give to other people, even if it means sacrificing their own lives for it. That family is where God wants us to grow up, to become an adult. And it's not just in the physical, literal family. It's also in that spiritual family. See, the spiritual family or the church is the place where God wants those who are new believers, born into the faith, born again, as they enter into this kingdom, into this life, into this this realm where no longer they're willing to exalt themselves, instead they're wanting to exalt God. But it would be here in this place, in the church, in the families where we would learn those things. And so if some of you are fairly new to the faith, here at church and around other people who were more mature in the faith, hopefully what you would learn is what does it look like to love based upon how you see other people giving to one another, giving patience, giving forgiveness, giving to one another. This is where we're supposed to learn this in a church family. And with this great, big, beautiful picture of the church family, we see that there's God who says to us, I want you to think of me as a loving father. I want you to think of me as being a dad. And I want you to see everybody else as brothers and sisters. And the church, to a certain, to be, certain degree, becomes like a mother. We have Jesus who is the groom, and we have the bride, the church. And that motherly responsibility of raising children up is supposed to be where, this, where the church comes into play. Well, within the church, within this group of people called the family of God, God gives gifts to his kids. Today we are starting a new sermon series, as Kurt mentioned, and this whole sermon series is about God's love. In fact, we're calling it this, God's incredible gifts and why they matter. But it's really about God's love. And that's what I want to speak on primarily here today. Well, God, because of his love, as a good dad, has given gifts to every single one of his children. And we're going to be focusing in the sermon series on spiritual gifts or gifts that come from the Spirit of Christ to us, given to us. And why are they given to us? They're given to us so that you and I, as we grow up, we are going to have a certain ability uniquely gifted to us by God to be able to do something that will show love toward other people and help build up the church, help build up the family, help make the family better because this kid gives this and this kid does this and this kid does this. And as all the kids come together and are serving one another, like in a literal family, the family gets better and the family gets stronger and the family gets healthier. But because we come into this world ill-equipped to be able to do anything, we have to receive something so that we could actually give something. And so being a good dad, he gives us spiritual gifts. And that's what we're going to talk about over the course of the next couple of weeks are these spiritual gifts that God gives to us. Some of you might be thinking, "Uh, I don't get it. Spiritual gift? Well, let me try to explain it, and I'm going to use Paul's words. If you're not familiar with this guy named Paul, Paul is a guy who planted a lot of the early Christian churches. And in writing to these churches letters, 
they've kept these letters, and that's what comprises much of the New Testament that we have. Well, in one of these letters to the church in Corinth, Paul is describing spiritual gifts, and I want to read to you what it is that he wrote. This is what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So in other words, what Paul's saying to them here and the rest of the letter and some of the other letters that he wrote is that here's God. He gives to his kids a spiritual gift and he uses the spiritual gift inside of them to help build up, to help love other people. But it's the same God who gives all of them and he disperses these gifts amongst his children in such a way that all of them can then be used by him to build other people up, to help them to give to them, to help show what love is. It's a cool thing when you think about it, a loving dad giving gifts to his kids. But if any of you have kids, you know that kids, especially when it comes to gifts, it, it can be a little strange sometimes. For instance, you know, if you have kids, the kids are constantly comparing themselves to one another. They do that all the time. It's a way of measuring whether or not they're significant or not. For instance, in my home, I recently heard this. So-and-so has more Legos than I do, but it's okay. I'm faster than him, and I'm faster at math quizzes. <laughs> really? But it was, in a way, a comparison. Have you ever tried to give gifts to kids all at the same time, a whole group of kids all at the same time? That can be one of the most disastrous things, whether it's going through McDonald's and getting a Happy Meal, and all of a sudden they start going through the Happy Meal to find out what gift that they got inside of it. Or if you go into one of those parties where they all have the gift bags and there's different things in each one, as soon as the kid opens up the gift and there's other kids that are also getting gifts, here's the first thing that they do. They look to see whether or not the gift, the gift that the other kid got is better than the gift that they got. They do that. I don't know if you've experienced that. At least that's been my experience. And that was the experience in the church in Corinth as well. See, here they are, a bunch of spiritual kids. They're all entering into the faith. And as a direct result, ah, they're excited about this new relationship that they have with God as a father. And then they're like, what? We get gifts? Awesome. And so they started looking at the gifts. And the next thing you know, one's going, oh, wait a second. I like that gift because it gets more attention and notoriety and other people think that that person's cool because they have that gift. And that's what started happening, gift envy. Shocker, huh? So when the people of Corinth started to get to this place, Paul, who kind of considered himself like a father to them, said, hey, whoa, whoa, guys, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. God didn't give you a gift so that it would up your cool factor with other Christians and make them think, oh, yeah, that guy, that gal, they're awesome. No, God gave each of us gifts not to increase our cool factor, but to increase our love ability, to equip us with stuff that we don't have so that we could become useful to him, working in and amongst his church to be able to bless other people. Paul tried to put their focus back onto that. Paul tried to say to them, guys, wait a second, you're missing the whole point. Let me bring you back to the thing that's the most important thing. And the most important thing is experiencing God's love. Being in a position where you are in a relationship with God and you recognize his love as being something that is so precious to you. And because of that love and then out of that love, you feel compelled to love other people because it brings him so much joy. 
The fact of the matter is, is that you and I, from the moment that we are born, we are constantly wrestling with this idea that we could exalt ourselves above every other thing, especially God. We submit our will above his will. We want our desires above his desires. And as this wrestling takes place, when we finally come to a place where we realize that the only time that we should be higher than God is when he has lifted us up as a father lifts a child. That's it. That's the only time. So Paul is trying to remind these guys, guys, let me bring your focus back to the thing that's most important. And what he wrote to them was this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, he says this. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So Paul's saying to them, guys, you're all whacked out about these gifts, but you need to understand that it's love that is the power and motivator for these gifts to be of any value whatsoever within. It's not something that you and I have been given so we can show off. It's something that we've been given so that we can show love. That's what Paul was trying to say to them is you've been given a gift by God. And when God uses you and empowers you, it's going to build up other people. It's going to make them feel love. If you try to do this under your own strength, it's impossible. It cannot be done. Let me tell you a story, and hopefully this will help illustrate this. But it's going to require your imagination, so hopefully you guys have good imaginations. I know I do. Let's pretend that you are driving in your car. Having a good day. And you're driving through a new neighborhood, new neighborhood, new houses are going up, and you're like, oh, this is cool, this is awesome. And then you see it. It's this house that's under construction, and it's awesome. It's awesome. Everything about it is perfect. You love the location, the roof lines, the windows, the trim, everything, the siding. As you are looking at this place and you're slowing down in your car, you're captivated by it, and you're, and you're just thinking to yourself, this is the most amazing and beautiful home I've ever seen in my life. And that's when you notice that one of its garage doors is open all the way, and inside is some guy, and he's got sawhorses set up and a big piece of plywood on there, and he is cutting across this piece of plywood with a skill saw. So you stop your car. Yes, you do. And you get out and you are walking up to this place because you have just got to tell somebody how awesome this house is and what a privilege it is just to look at it, let alone get the chance to maybe live in it. And so you go walking up there and this carpenter's inside and he's kind of seeing you walking up. So he stops cutting and pulls his goggles off, puts them on his head. And as you walk up, that's when you take your eyes off of his eyes and you look down at the skill saw and say, you're an awesome skill saw. Look at you. Look at that nice straight line that you're cutting and it's so smooth. You're an awesome skill saw. Good job. And then you notice the hammer hanging in his tool belt and you're like, oh, and you, Mr. Hammer, you're awesome too. 
look at all the work you've been doing around here, putting in all those nails. You've done such a great job, Mr. Hammer. Awesome. And then you see the level over there leaning against the wall, and you're like, oh, where would this place be without you, Mr. Level? It'd be all cattywampus and everything. You're awesome. Weird, huh? I mean, that would really be weird if you tried to do that. The only thing that would be more weird than that is if the skill saw, if the hammer or the level replied back to you and said, yeah, <laughs> it's a good thing that God's got me as a tool to be able to work with. Where would he be without me? See, the fact of the matter is, is that we all know there's no such thing as a tool that's worth anything unless it's in the hand of the carpenter. It's worth nothing. Same thing with us. Our gifts, they're useless unless they're empowered by God's hand. Unless they're empowered by God's love. They all have to be something that because of the experience that we have of God's love in our lives, in our hearts, that then that gift can be unleashed. It can be powered up. It could become something that's useful for God as he builds up his church. And if I am right on this, Jesus is still wanting to build his church. And he's still wanting to use us to do it. As I stated before, though, we come into this world selfish, self-absorbed. We come in with sin. And it stacks up. Sometimes... If you think about all the stuff that you're doing, it can make you feel really bad. I mean, who really has counted up all the sin? Throughout our whole lives, it seems like we trample people, we walk over them, we will lie, we will deceive, we will exaggerate, and we will cheat, and we will steal. It is amazing all of the little things that you and I do to get attention or to self-promote and to exalt ourselves. It is amazing the things that we will get caught up in or that we will allow ourselves to participate in. And these sins stack up and every single one of them matters. Every single one of them matters. And the fact is, is that God knows. God knows. And he sets the standard so incredibly high. And I've heard people over the years say, well, why would he do that? Well, here's why. He's perfect. He has no sin. And because he's a dad, why wouldn't he want his children to grow up to be like him? Every good dad does. Why would he lower his standards and say, it's okay if you go ahead and be a scumbag? No, of course not. God wants us to be perfect like he is perfect. The problem is, is that you and I, in and of ourselves, there's no possible way that we can. We are filled with sin. So God did the only thing that he could do. He decided that what he would do is that he would die for our sin. If you've been around Christianity any time at all, you know this truth. I'm not going to tell you something you don't know. That God decided that he would take our sin off of us and remove it from us and place it all on Jesus. And instead of punishing you, instead of punishing me, he punished him in the worst possible way. 
in front of all kinds of people, crucifying him and butchering him on a cross for our sins. So that those who would say, Jesus, I give up. I will exalt you for the rest of my life instead of me. Would you please fill me with your spirit? Would you please give me the strength and the ability to be able to live for you instead of for me? Why would God do this? Why would God give that much? Here's why. He's trying to make it onto your list. How many of you actually put, I don't need to see a show of hands, but put God on that list when I gave you 30 seconds? See, God wants to be on your list. He wants to be at the top of the list. After all, he's the one who was given the most. Not only did he give his son so that you and I could have our sins removed, but he's the one who gave you life. He gave you your looks. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's not exactly a good example, Matt. We're not all too happy with our looks sometimes, but God is. God loves us, and he has given to us everything that we need for living a godly life. He's given to us everything that we need for life. He's given the most of all. See, God wants to be on our list. Did you know that the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16, starts out this way? For God so loved, he gave. Why would God do this? Because he knows that there's a universal truth that you and I work off of. Those who love, give. We know that instinctually. Those who love, give. Now, that's the point of this whole message. God loves you. He's given himself to you, to me, because he loves you. And what he wants now from us is to not only accept that love, but to accept what came with it, which is a gift, individually designed for each of you, so that you could do something that shows love back, not just to him, but to others here in this church. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Rome, an interesting church. If you were to stop and think for just a minute about what this must have been like, in this church plant in Rome a couple of thousand years ago, the most progressive city in the entire world, filled with all kinds of different cultures of people who are used to, just like you and I, going about doing their own thing, living their lives for themselves and exalting themselves up and above God. So he writes this letter to them, and he's trying to explain to all of those who are in the church who are already Christians how much God loves them, and he's trying to explain to those who are also in that church who aren't Christians how much God loves them. See, I know from experience, having been a Christian for a long time, that just because I said, yes, Jesus, I want to exalt you a long time ago, that wasn't the last of my sinning. That wasn't the end of me exalting myself. And if you're anything like me, and the enemy is at all at work in your life, some of the things that you can think about one of the things that you can think about is, I'm not sure I really am a contributor. I'm not sure I really deserve God's love. I'm a phony. I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. 
I show up to church, but to be honest with you, I haven't given really any thought about how I could love anybody else, let alone have some gift that would be useful. So Paul wrote to them, and he said something vitally important to them that I think everybody here needs to hear. Romans chapter 5, verses 5 through 8 says this. For we know how dearly God loves us. We know it. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might be perhaps willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Why is that important? Folks, God is not surprised by our sin. Like a good dad watching little kids be stupid, I'm not surprised by my kids sinning. I'm not. But it doesn't change my love for them one bit. Not one bit. And it hasn't changed God's love for you. Not for me. One bit. God loves us, and he has given us his Holy Spirit not just to help us feel loved, but to help us give love. I want to challenge you guys to commit yourself to something. I want to challenge you to commit to your church. If this isn't your church and you're visiting, commit to your church. Commit to be a gift to it, to be used by God as a tool in his hand to build it up and to bless it, to bless others, to show love and to give love. You also have the opportunity to not just commit to being here, but we have a class that's been designed to start on Wednesday nights on October 22nd called Launch, where you can discover your spiritual gifts and then be used by God in order to give that gift to somebody else. Let me pray for you. Father, there's a lot of people who are in this room right now, and you know every single one of them. You know what their hearts are thinking about right now and their minds are thinking about right now. You know whether or not they're afraid. You know whether or not they're convicted. You know whether or not they're hurting. You know whether or not right now they are feeling on fire for you. You know every single one of us individually. And I need you to do what only you can do because I know that there's no way that with constructing words together or sitting up here or standing up here and trying to communicate to people that it's going to really work. It's not going to. Not unless you do what you do. And that's open up hearts and open up minds and help them to know. Help them to know exactly what it is that you need them to know. So I pray that you would open up those hearts and minds and that you would pour your Holy Spirit into them. And as you pour your spirit into them, I pray that they would know how much that you genuinely love them and how you're wanting to use them to help build up your church, to make this place a place that when people come here, that they can't help but experience love. If some of you are out there this morning and you as a Christian are saying to yourself, man, God, I, I'm sorry. I want to recommit my life to you. Good for you. If you're saying, God, I, I want to renew with you. Please revive me. Please restore me. Speak to me and help me to listen. Good for you. But there might be some of you who are here who are saying, man, I I don't even know that I have a relationship with God. I don't even know what to do to begin. If that's you, I'm going I'm to help you out. I want to give you a small, short prayer 
Hey, you can change the words or you can believe them exactly as they are and say it to yourself. Or you can just say, yeah, God, that's, that's what I want, what that guy just said. And it'll get you started in your relationship with God. It's so simple. If you could say in your heart this, God, I don't, I don't know everything that there is to know. You know that, but with what I do know, I know that I'm tired of my sin. I'm tired. I don't want to exalt myself anymore. I want to exalt you. Will you please forgive me? Will you take my sin and remove it from me? And instead of all the sin that's a part of my life, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Or whatever it is that you fill people with, that changes them. I, I, I want to change. Will you please help me? I give up. I surrender. And if that's you, if you really are praying that right now, I, I know what you're already feeling. You're already feeling what it's like to have God put his spirit inside of you. And it will change you. Father, I love you so much. Thank you that you have been so patient with me and everybody else here as a really good dad, the best. Thank you for giving me people who have loved me and shown me the example of what it means to be a lover. People who I know who were shaped by you. And I pray that you would use my life and everybody else's here who loves you to continue to shape the lives of people and help them to see how much you love them by the way that we love them. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing through a song. And it can be your prayer. It can be your words to God, or it can be simply just listening to these words and letting the meaning of everything that they imply wash over you. We're also going to take an offering. The ushers are going to be passing around those buckets. For those of you who call this your church home, this is a chance for you, for you to be able to support it. For those of you who have communication cards or your visitors or prayer requests, please fold those, those, those communication cards up and stuff that down in that bucket, and that's how we'll get that from you. After the song, I'm going to come back up, say a few more words, and then dismiss this. But right now, make the song your prayer. I was doing good until Jesse started standing beside me and worshiping. Dude, you're a gift. Today, if you made that prayer your own, I invite you to go by one of these tables that are by the doors and grab one of these new believer packets, open that up and Look through that Bible that's in there and then let somebody know, let a pastor know that you've made that decision and then let us help get you trained up, help you to see what it's like to be a part of the family. Today, if you made that recommitment to Christ, I pray that you would hold true to that, that you would be here next week, that you'd go to those classes and that you would learn what God has designed you to do to be a, a display of love for other people within this church. Today, if you would like prayer, Instead of making your way out, you make your way forward. We'll be up here. The prayer teams and pastors will pray with you. And if today you'd like to kind of celebrate that new commitment or that recommitment, take communion. We've got it available for you on both sides of the room. We'd love to have you guys participate in that. God bless you guys. Hope to see you next week. Thanks, buddy.